Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Good morning. There was a, a particular phrase in that, uh, that piece of music. It says, let the future begin. I want to tell you the future began last Sunday. The day of resurrection is the beginning. The whole of the discipleship had no idea what it was all about. They were full of questions and heartache. And the revelation came. It transformed their lives. And that's what the resurrection is all about, friends. It's to transform your life and it's to transform my life that we shall be alive. You know, I may not be able to bounce around like a wonky wheel. (laughs) But it's what's going on in here. You may have physical disabilities. You can't really rejoice as you would like. But long as you're rejoicing in heart. You've got a spirit of praise. And one good reason for doing Alpha, friends, one good reason for coming to life groups on a weekly basis or fortnightly basis is you get fellowship with God's people and you can share, you can pray together, you can discuss about the things of God and you'll go out blessed. We ran, we ran a CAP life skills course uh, six months or so ago. And um, unfortunately, we didn't have many outsiders. We had one or two, but we didn't have many outsiders. But I want to tell you, it was a fantastic team-building exercise. You learnt a lot about the people you were actually working with. Not only the course, but actually what at the people you were working with. So if you don't attend midweek... Come to Alpha. We might get the times right. (laughs) I want to talk about the resurrection. It's such a a tremendous event that it it seems a a pity just to to leave you for one Sunday. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to say, if you've got your Bibles. (laughs) My tablet died last week. But fortunately, I bought a laptop. I was gobsmacked. I bought a laptop in Aldi, our pastor's wife's favorite shop. 80 quid. Yeah. I see that on, the, on, on sale now, 150. Wow. It was a bargain. <laughs> you get so used to these electronic devices, don't you, when, when, they, when they give up the ghost. It actually died last Sunday morning. Oh. That's interesting. Perhaps we ought to pray over it, resurrect it. 
He died last Sunday morning from somewhere between home and church. We've been having lots of little interesting titles over our messages. I've got a good one this morning. The risen Christ, faith, reality. The risen Christ, faith, reality. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are now saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's important for us. According to the scriptures. It wasn't a whole an event in the corner. It was planned and purposed by God Almighty. Even though the disciples didn't understand what was going on. God knew what was going on. And that he was seen the Cephas, then of the, by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain, remain to this present. But some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen, seen by me, also as one bought, born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace which was with me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That applies to each one of us. It just doesn't apply to the Apostle Paul. It applies to every one of us this morning. Because we are all born one out of grace. How important is the resurrection to Christianity? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central truth of the Christian faith. Without it, there is no such thing as the Christian faith. A long time ago, a man named Job asked the big question that sooner or later every human being has to face. If a person dies, will he live again? The same question remains today. Is this life all that there is? Or is there life beyond the grave? Is it possible for anyone to know the answer to this question? The Christian answer to Job's question is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, first of all, that he, what we received from God that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
A recent small survey from the BBC found that a quarter of people who describe themselves as Christians in Great Britain do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what they've got. If they don't believe in the resurrection, they haven't got, Christ, if they haven't got the Christian faith. But it also went to find out that almost one in ten of people with no religion say they believe in the Easter story. You've got Christians who don't believe in the resurrection. You've got atheists who do believe in the Easter story. But they say some content that should not be taken quite literally. Well, there's only two elements of the Easter story as far as I can see. The, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One-fifth of non-religious people believe in life after death, the poll suggested. The Church of England said it showed many people held religious beliefs. And in reality, we do want religious belief. Sorry. In reality, we do not want religious belief. But we want biblically-based Christianity. You see, religion can actually show you the reality of their commitment. But Christianity serves a risen Christ who is alive and is right here this morning. He's sitting right next to you. He's right inside of you. That's very difficult to comprehend or or seem to accept or understand. But that's the reality what the Bible teaches. Almost two in five Christians surveyed, they say they never attend religious services. That's amazing, isn't it? I've been married 52 years this year to this beautiful lady, Anne. Thank you so much. I make it a good practice to talk to my wife. I tell my wife I love her. I'm going to embarrass her now. I kiss her every morning. Morning, noon and night. You see, we have a relationship. You've got to have a relationship to live with somebody 52 years to, to put up with somebody like me. When I first took my, my, my beloved wife to sit, meet my mother, uh, she was washing up after dinner and she said to uh, Mom, Mom, why are the dents in your saucepans? And my mom's calm reply is, that's, that's where I've hit Peter with them. <laughs> and so how can you be a Christian and not attend church? That's why it's good to come to church on a Sunday morning. And it's good to come to church to life groups. It's good to come to church to the music practice if you're part of the music group. If you're part of the early morning prayer meeting, uh, mid-morning prayer meeting on the Monday, it's good to come on a Monday morning. One needs the fellowship, friends. We need to share one with another about the things of God. It's like eating. Never attend church, but do they eat? Well, of course they eat because they want to live. Well, we need to come to church to meet God's people in order that we will grow and live. 
So where do you stand with the resurrection? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead according to the scriptures? We've got a passage I want to just go over this morning in Luke chapter 24 and verses 13 to 35. We have, we have, we have Cleopas. He's walking back from Jerusalem. It's a seven-mile journey. He, was, he had company with him, and as they were, they, they were walking along, they were discussing the events that had taken place in Jerusalem over the last couple of days. They were heavy-hearted as they walked this seven-mile journey. Their hearts were perplexed. What was going on? What it was all about? Their, their, their passion and their desire and their expectation that was that Jesus would come and deliver them from the Roman tyranny. That this man, Christ Jesus, would become the ruler and push out the Romans. But you see, God had got a different plan. And it wasn't just that Cleopas and his companion believed this, but all the disciples seemed to believe this. They all had a heavy heart and didn't quite know what was going on. And so we have this couple walking along the road, probably heavy-legged, slow, and they have a companion join them. And the companion looks at them and says, what's the matter with you? Why, why, you, why have you got a heavy heart? Why are you disgusting like this? And, and they turn around to him and says, don't you know what's been going on? Are you a stranger to Jerusalem? You, you haven't got the foggiest eye what's been going on in Jerusalem over the past few days? What? And so they, they tell him what has happened, how the Jesus has been, uh, uh, has been crucified. Uh, and then uh, strange things had happened because the women had come and said that they, they, they went to find the body of Jesus, but he wasn't there. And there was an angel dressed in white, and he said, uh, he's risen from the dead. And so they explained to this stranger about their concerns and their perplexity and their heartaches and their sadness. <laughs> and this stranger is none other than the risen Christ. It's Jesus. But they don't see him. They don't recognize him. They've been with him for three years. That sat with him. They'd had meals with him. They'd walked with him. They'd been at the baptismal services. They'd been on the boats when he calmed the storms. And yet they didn't recognize him. And Jesus, very firmly, but gently, does a Bible study. Just walking along the road. He said, what about this and what about that and what about this and what about this? You can imagine that seven-mile journey didn't quite seem so difficult but they get to the home and they, they, they Jesus appears to want to go on further and they constrain him he says come on 
it's, it's dark, getting dark. You don't want to walk in the dark. Come in and have a meal with us and stop with us tonight. So the table's laid and the food is on the table and they sit down and Jesus takes his place and he takes the responsibility of the host and takes the bread and he breaks the bread and then revelation comes to their hearts. Maybe they saw the nail prints. What it, I don't know what it was. But in that moment of time, the future began. But just when they recognize him, he disappears. Isn't that with, the same with us sometimes? That we're seeking God and, and we're saying, where are you, Lord, and where are you, Lord? Uh, and then suddenly we realize he, he's right there and he's ministering into our spirits and uh, the voice of God is in our hearts. And then suddenly he's gone. And so Jesus disappears. And then Cleopas looks at his companion and says, did not our hearts burn within us? We didn't recognize what God was doing at that moment of time, but there was something happening deep down in here. My spirit was being stirred. And you know what they did? They ran all the way back to Jerusalem. Who's good at walking? Seven miles? Okay, no problem. Ten minute break? Seven miles back again? Not sure about that. But, but there was something taken place around that meal table as Jesus broke the bread. The revelation came. The revelation brought physical rejuvenation. The heavy legs were renewed. The journey back was so different. An encounter with the risen Christ would always, 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 always make a difference. It's truly amazing that these disciples spent three years under Jesus' teaching, observed his miracles, feeding of the crowd, dealing with the opposition, yet had not a clue that it was all what it was all about. We can't blame any of them because they were all the same. They didn't seem to understand what Jesus was really about. Even though there were, there were indications through the, through the uh, Gospels that they did at times have a, a modicum. We have Peter who he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But in reality, it, it didn't seem to bring a fullness, a completeness, a life-changing revelation. You see, Jesus' purpose was not to deliver from Roman bondage, but to set us free from ourselves. To wash away our sins, to establish a new nature and purpose. 
The resurrection is the accepted sign of God's approval of the sacrifice on Calvary. We're alive in God this morning because of his resurrection. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And when we walk by faith and not by sight, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The Christian faith gives you a confidence even in death. It's just a stepping stone to the eternal purposes of the Almighty. What's God got in store for when, us, for when we die? That's a challenging thought. Probably more challenging to me and my wife than it is to you. Of course, we're a little bit older. But God's got a purpose. God's got a purpose. God's got a future. Psalm 19 and verses 9 to 11 say, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in shoal, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me a path of life in your presence, his fullness of joy, and at your right hand for pleasures forevermore. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was according to the scriptures. It wasn't just put into place because of his failure. It was always his purpose to go to Calvary, to die, to be buried, and to be rose again from the dead. That's what salvation, that's what the gospel is all about. Even though the disciples didn't fully comprehend it. I want to tell you, on the day of Pentecost, they knew what it was all about. They were ready to stand up and be counted. They were ready to stand and say, this is my purpose in life. I am willing to die for what I believe. That's a challenge, isn't it? Are we ready to die for what we believe? Is your Christian faith that strong you are prepared to die for what you believe. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That scripture in Psalm 16, Peter picks up on the day of Pentecost in his sermon. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17, Jesus is a preacher referring to Jonah. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Well, that's another remarkable story you might find struggle with accepting. But Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of a whale or fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the grave for three days and for three nights. 
prophetic type, Jonah, Jesus. That's Jesus saying that. Not the preacher this morning. He's saying it, but that's what Jonah is saying. And then we have that incredible chapter in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We need to be able to give a reason for the hope within us. And the reason for that hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are still in our sins. Our hope is futile. But thank God he did. The disciples finally got it. I trust we've got it. I trust we understand what the resurrection is all about and how important the resurrection is to our faith in Jesus Christ. Eleven times in the New Testament the phrase is used, be raised the third day. Jesus died according to to the scripture. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus rose after three days according to the scriptures. Therefore, our confession in Jesus is illegally forgiven by God. It's a judicial transaction, friends. I like watching Judge Judy. I'm not too impressed with Judge Rinder. But I like Judge Judy. But when Judge Judy brings down the hammer, the judgment is made. And Jesus has brought down the hammer on your salvation when you repented of your sins. When you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. It's just not an emotional transaction, but it's a judicial transaction. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. And you can, you, you can stand in the presence of God. And you say, he's my father. He's my Lord. He's my savior. I know he's going to look after me. <coughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a bookmarker here. It tells me that Jehovah Nissi is the Lord my banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord of God who meets my needs. I've got another Jehovah, oh, I don't, can't pronounce the Jewish word. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord is there. The God who heals. The Lord our smiter. 
the Lord our peace, the Lord my God, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord our God. No one you get excited. Boy, we need to get excited, friends, because the future is now. Jeremy was saying this morning, we're going to have four more bank holidays if we get a Labour government. How exciting. We can say, whoopee. But friends, I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour this morning, and you receive Christ as your own personal Lord and saviour, there will become a freedom in your spirit. The sin that binds you, the sin that is killing you, and when I talk about sin, I'm not talking about naughty things. Though we include naughty things. I'm talking about the fact you don't love Jesus. That's the greatest sin, friends. The fact that you haven't committed your life to Jesus. You haven't accepted him as your own personal Lord and Savior. May God bless you. And may you find the real power and understanding of the resurrection. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.